Valerie's my mother's name. Rush is for white suburban boys. Anybody remember cassettes? My tumor was the Beyonce of uterine fibroids. This is the Soundtrack Series. The Soundtrack Series. The Soundtrack Series. Hey there, this is the Soundtrack Series. Stories about songs, the soundtrack to our lives, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Dana Rossi. Coming up later on the show, comedian Julia Rossi tells us how it really goes when you eventually meet your rock and roll crush. And then in an effort to like really connect, I go, okay, Brett, big question. What is the craziest thing a fan has ever done to meet you? Like I was doing like a teen mop interview. Like I don't know what. But first, I want to talk about the VMAs. Mostly because I don't talk about the VMAs anymore. Just in my life. I think I'm old. All right, you know what? Two stories about that, actually. So the first was a couple of weeks ago, I visited my hometown, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And it was around the time of Music Fest, which is in Bethlehem, like 10 minutes away. And so a friend of mine from high school and I, we decided to go to Music Fest And we're there, and she says, well, do you want to get a drink? You know, you can just sort of walk around, open container all over Bethlehem during Music Fest, so we can get a beer. And so I was like, okay. So what you do is you get tickets first, like you buy a bunch of tickets, and then you can get online at whatever tent, and then you buy your drink, whatever that is, with those tickets. So we get our tickets, and then we're in line to get beer at one of these tents, and there are people at the front of the tents checking IDs. They let my friend Stacy go right in. She and I are the same age. They let her go right in. And then the woman stops me and is like, can I see your ID? And I laughed and like almost walked right past her. And she was like, no, can I seriously see your ID? And I said, what, "Are really? And Stacy and I look at each other and I look back at the woman and she says, yeah. And I was like, okay, no, wait, really? And she says, yeah, just take it as a compliment. And I said, okay. And I pull out my ID and show it to her. And it's when she sees that my birthday is in 1978, which makes me 37 years old, that she went, whoa, like an actual whoa. And I said, yeah, that's why I was, because this is the thing, whatever I look like, do I look younger than my age? Do I look older than my age? I really don't know. But here's something I do know. I definitely look older than 21. I get that I'm short. Maybe that makes people think like I'm younger than I am. But I definitely look over 21. But the woman was just like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And she's like, high five and and high fives me. And I'm like, "Okay, but this was definitely bizarre. So that's like, you know, one kind of age related thing that, that happened recently. And then the other thing was I was in my in the old day, Jay was sitting in on auditions for a particular role we were trying to cast where it was like a a teenager and this girl came in to audition and I was kind of giving her the breakdown of everything and I said to her oh is it okay we are going to have hair and makeup uh but it's an 80s style this took place in the 80s and she says oh my god yeah I love the 80s like that's like my favorite time and she could not have been older than 20 and I said Try living in it. And which I don't even know what I meant by that because I loved the 80s. The 80s were great. I was ages 2 through 11 during the 80s and I had a blast because I loved stirrup pants. <laughs> 
So what wasn't to love about the 80s? And she laughed at me saying, though, like, oh, but you didn't live in it or, or whatever I said. And she was just like, oh, I know. She goes, my mom says, like, the same thing to me. And I was like, does she? But yeah, so fine. I'm quote unquote old. I don't buy into that. I don't actually think I'm old. I don't really feel old. But back to the VMAs and how this all relates to that. I'm just old enough that I'm not in the demographic anymore that the VMAs are aimed at. I don't think I've been in that demographic for like 10 years, I would say. But wow. Oh, my God. The VMAs. This, can you believe the thing that happened at the VMAs this year? That's so crazy, right? Like, it's definitely the most insane thing that has ever happened at any VMAs ever. Okay, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I, I Full disclosure, I am recording this before the actual VMAs. Uh, but no, no, I'm not. The VMAs, I totally watched them. And the thing that happened was insane. Okay, I will stop that. I promise I'll stop. Because here's the thing. The VMAs, me watching, not watching, they just aren't aimed at me anymore. That was my original point. This year, as far as they were concerned, I kept forgetting they were happening. And that's been the situation every year where I'm like, oh, yeah, right. It's the end of summer, beginning of fall. I guess the VMAs are happening. And I will have that realization on the weekend of the VMAs. And for this time, I was so confused for the longest time by the the posters they have around New York advertising them. They're, they're all over the subway. And they're mostly this, like really aggressive green with Miley Cyrus on them and she's looking a moon man or she's in a moon suit rocketing somewhere or there's candy pouring out of her eyes or something like that. And I I didn't know that that meant or that was to imply that she was hosting the VMA. Somehow that went right over my head. I don't know how. I keep up with music news. I'm not my mom, but I was still like, wait, is she hosting them? Which is on me. Maybe I just had a really dense summer and I was not following. Because that's not the first time that MTV has rolled out promo material just just featuring the host, and that's pretty much their promo for the entire awards show. I think my favorite was in 1997, where Chris Rock was going to be hosting the VMAs, and so all of the on-air promos were him in different videos of that year. So it was him in the virtual insanity video with the walls moving in the big hat. And then he was in the men in black video and they changed the words to, oh yeah, the host is black. I did not look any of that up. That is all from memory. I just really love that campaign. But now, 2015, I don't watch. 2014, I didn't watch. 2013, I didn't watch. 2012, I didn't watch. They're not aimed at me. I don't know if they're aimed at anyone. The VMAs of late feel to me like they're from another era. Maybe that's my own little world because I don't really hear anyone talk about them anymore. I don't see anybody talk about them on Facebook, but then again, my Facebook feed is mostly people around my age. So even if I look over at Twitter, where people who I'm following or following me are, you know, strangers mostly, it's not on there either. Not a lot. If I did see some, it's like the occasional billboard article about who had the craziest VMA fashion in the history of the VMA's meat dress. I don't hear anybody talk about them at work. And I work in television, which means I'm working with 22-year-old PAs. Nothing. So I just get the sense they're from another era. They belong to another time that, that just doesn't exist anymore. But they are fighting like hell to make it still be so. But that's the thing. MTV was always a youth channel. It's always such a funny argument when people, and I don't really hear anybody say this anymore, but when MTV was turning over to reality programming, mostly, and all that kind of stuff, 
and people say things like, when it's the music television channel, it's music television, when are they going to get back to showing videos? Never. They're never going to go back to showing videos because that's just not what people are doing right now. And because MTV was never actually a music channel. Yes, it was originally called music television, but one of my favorite points that was brought up in uh, Rob Tenenbaum and Craig Marx's I Want My MTV, The Oral History of MTV, was that MTV was always a youth channel, first and foremost, before it was a music channel. That it was almost a music channel as a byproduct of it being a youth channel. This is what people who were young were watching and paying attention to was videos, and so therefore, that's what the channel showed. Youth channel. And young people are still into videos. They still consume videos. They still see them, but just not in the same way they were delivered 20, 25 years ago. And that's neither good nor bad. It just is. One thing I heard, maybe I read it, I don't know, was that MTV tries to determine through market research who is aware of the show, if they're going to watch, and if they're going to watch it live. Live? Why? That's funny to me. Because I was thinking about it, and the VMAs are most famous. The thing the VMAs do the best, the most valuable commodity the VMAs have is one moment that they crank out every year. One moment that's so controversial. Like, what happened this Sunday? Can you believe it? Okay. But the one moment that's so controversial that everybody talks about it for a little bit and then it goes away. And the way we consume that now is not by seeing it in real time, but by hearing about it on social media after the fact, for the most part, and then just watching the clip that everybody's talking about and going, oh, okay, wow, yeah, I guess that is really crazy. And then you see, and then people make repurpose clips and memes and mashups and GIFs, and we read all the think pieces, and then we forget about it by the Thursday following the show. It's kind of like when you think about the person you were so obsessed with 17 years ago, everything they did or said to you, all so meaningful, all so huge, all so important. What do you think about that person now? It's kind of like, you know, Madonna kissing Britney Spears. What do we think about that now? Nothing. But my point is, what the VMAs do really well is that one specific ultra-concentrated moment no one can stop talking about for three days, but then becomes cold news within a week. And then years later, it's a badge of honor for some bar trivia team when their star player correctly answers that Fiona Apple said this world is bullshit when she accepted her award for criminal. And yeah, other award shows definitely have those moments. Adele Dazeem, y'all. But nobody does those controversial buzz, 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 the next day moments quite like the VMAs. And my big point here is maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I don't watch anymore. It's not because I don't listen to pop music anymore. I do. It's not because I don't watch videos anymore. I do. And it's not because I'm old, but it's because I'm not interested in buying their hottest commodity anymore. Meaning I'm not shocked by the controversy that comes out of the show every year. I don't buy the goldest, shiniest thing that the VMAs have to sell. It's just not a value to me. Maybe that is my age. Or maybe because I just have so many of those. There are so many of those, ooh, moments that I've seen from over the years from that show. It's just not special anymore. And if I'm not interested in that, then I'm not interested in them at all. But I don't know. I just said a lot of things. I'm not entirely sure what all of them were. I don't know. Rewind, I guess. Oh, God. I just said rewind. The people gather around. The people come around and go.
that that's actually my favorite VMAs of all time. I think it was 2001, and this there was nothing controversial about this performance at all. Missy Elliott, Nelly Furtado, I just loved it so much. I don't know if it was just where I was when I was watching it and the friends I was with, or just where I was in my life, but for whatever reason, that one for me is the golden one. All right, our story for this episode is from comedian from True TV, VH1, Chelsea Lately, Julia Rossi. And it's her story about Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison and the realities of actually getting to meet the rock and roll love of your life. Every rose has its thorn Just like every night has its dawn When I was in fifth grade, sixth grade, I wrote a lot of letters to Brett Michaels. Uh, if you don't know who Brett Michaels is, shame on you. He is uh, the lead singer of Poison and my first true love. And I <laughs> wrote him letters and uh, I sent him a photo of myself because I thought, like, maybe we had a chance. <laughs> and uh, I was 11. And. It was me, and I stood in front of. I had my mom take the photos, and I was I was I put my poison T-shirt on, and I held. I made a pillow that said "poison" on it with like felt, and I had buttons all over it, and then I had all my pinups behind me that I ripped out of like Metal Edge magazine, and and then I made sure to like take down the warrant ones and put up extra poison ones for the photo shoot. But then like it was the same poster in every corner. Anyways, I remember my mom, my Italian mom, was very worried because she's like, "You lesbian?" Because she didn't understand why I had all these lipsticked men on the wall. I'm like, they're men, mom. And um, well, that's, you know, debatable. But anyways, I, I wrote him these letters and uh, the response, I got one response and it was an offer to join their fan club, which obviously I did. And there was a postcard promoting this other woman's new CD, which I eventually found out was Brett's girlfriend at the time. And I'm like, wow. Way to break my heart. You know what I mean? Like, send me a fucking photo of your current girlfriend. Like, you could have just said no. You know, like, you just just say you didn't like my photos. And uh, it was like old school Tinder. You know what I mean? It was just, he swiped um, right on my heart. And I mentioned I was a child, right? So I loved Poison. I loved Bread. I, like, we had, I remember in art class, we had to do a calligraphy project and we could take she was like take a line from a song that you like and write it in calligraphy and I wrote every single lyric to every rose has its thorns it was like eight pages and I just it was like my teacher's like can you leave the bells ringing I'm like I gotta do it it's like it's been a while now I can still feel so much pain she's like please leave the school and so I I loved loved poison and I wanted to meet Brent Michaels so desperately like it was my dream I thought about it all the time I went to a poison concert in sixth grade uh Jill Russo's mom took us and I swear to God during every rose has its thorn Brett pointed out into the audience and he pointed directly at me now granted I was in like the bleacher seats um at the Boston Garden but I feel like it was special so I was determined to meet him, and then, you know, adolescence happened, and I started being interested in boys that actually existed in my life, and <laughs> listening to hip-hop, because it was the 90s, and I was like, who are these Belle Biv DeVoe fellas, you know, and like getting into that whole scene, and before I knew it, Poison wasn't really part of my life anymore, except when I was 22, 
I was living in LA and I was going to go home to visit Boston. And at the time, my sister was dating this guy who uh, was also a Poison fan, not quite as the way I was, but he liked Poison. And he was like, oh, would your sister want to go to the Poison Warrant concert at, uh, I don't know what it's called. It was, I guess Gillette Stadium is what it's called now in Worcester. But um, I think it was before it had like a brand attached to it. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like, oh my God, that'd be so fun to go for like nostalgic reasons. So I go to the concert with them. And my friend Margo, who was living in New York at the time, drove up and also came because she was a big Warrant fan. And we go to this concert. And during the Warrant part of the show, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. Like, I was like smoking weed. I was getting stoned. I was singing. And then Poison comes on. And it was like seeing like an ex, like, you know, like the person that took your virgin. You know, like I was just taken, my heart dropped. The second a word came out of Brett's mouth, I was like, I have to meet him. Like I lost it. I completely reverted back to when I was 11, 12 years old. And I said to my sister and my friend, I was like, I'll be right back. And I just started running. I just started running all over the stadium to like the sound of like nothing but a good time. And like your mama don't dance, but your daddy don't rock and roll. And like, look at the cat dragged in. There was something to believe in. That's what I felt like. You know what I mean? And the thing I believed in was that I was going to meet Brett if it fucking killed me. Here's the thing. This was like early 2000s, so it actually like wasn't that hard to meet Brett anymore. And um, <laughs> he would later be on a game show where anyone could meet him. And uh, I was walking around, and I went up to everyone who had a backstage like VIP laminate on. And I was like, how do I meet Brett? How do I meet Brett? And like most people were like, go away. Like it was like, get out of my classroom and stop doing calligraphy. And I was like, ah! And uh, I go up to this one guy and he goes, oh, I'm Brett's cousin. I'm one of the roadies. I'll get you backstage. Just meet me here after the show. And I was like, seriously? And he was like, yeah, no problem. Like didn't even seem creepy. He was just like, yeah, no big. So after the show, me and my friend Margot go and meet him. I was supposed to stay at my sister's house that night in Boston. I was like, go home. This might be an all-nighter. Like, it might get crazy. So she leaves. And we go backstage. And it was, um, it was like, very organized. Like, apparently, if you were in the fan club then, I, I hadn't renewed my membership. But uh, if you were in the fan club still... You, and you had like a certain amount of points or something. I don't really understand how it worked. You could then use your status to meet one of the band members. And so every trailer had like a San, like greet, like Santa Claus line, like Ricky's trailer, Cece's trailer, Bobby's trailer, and Brett's trailer. Of course, Brett's had the longest line. And uh, he goes, yeah, you guys can get in line and meet Brett. And you know, it, and I was like, oh, this is like great. Okay, cool. So we get in line and it was a lot of middle-aged women uh, holding things of diabetic cookies that they had made Brett. It was, I was like waiting in line and I was like, oh my God, like whatever. Like I'm like the coolest, like I just thought it was the shit. Like I was like, I didn't bring any cookies like these, old bitches like look at me I'm like young and in my 20s and I'm like I'm so cool like, I don't even care if I meet Brett like I'm like so over it cut to when I get to the front of the line and it's my turn I'm like I, 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 I can't do this and I shove Margo on first right and the way the line was was that it was kind of around the corner so I couldn't really see what was going on in there so she goes in she comes out like two minutes later and it, mind you like Brett wasn't her first love. She was like her third love, right? She comes out, her face is glowing, and she's like, oh my God, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I was like, <gasps> and then I get on, and I sit in his lap, again, like very Santa Claus, and I take a photo with him, 
And the photo, you can only see Brett's gorgeous eyes because like my hair and my, I'm like, hold, I'm like, cold, like totally koala bear on him. And all I say is I go, oh my God, this is awesome. This is awesome. You are awesome. Like awesome. Like, oh, I like poison is awesome. Like, whoa, awesome, awesome, awesome. And he just listens to me have this like, like adolescent breakdown. And then he just pauses and he takes that, every rose has its thorn breath and he goes, you're beautiful. <laughs> and then I got off the bus and I was like, oh my God, like, oh my God. Like I couldn't believe it. But then I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I just blew it. Like I blew my one shot to be cool in front of my first fucking life. Like this is the worst. So we get off and then his cousin was like, oh, you guys, do you want to hang around? Like after all his fans leave, we can like hang out with Brett for real. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we have like some time to kill. We have about an hour. I'm like eating craft services. I saw Cece. He didn't want to talk to anybody. Uh, I saw Bobby Doll. He was the only brunette in the group. So I went up to him like, oh man, being a brunette, I'm a bunch of blondes. I know what that's like. And he was like, please don't talk to me either. And I was really stoned. I mentioned that, right? And so, so now all, all the fans, you know, they leave. And me, Margo, Brett's cousin, Brett's cousin's friend, get on the tour bus. And Brett walks out of the back. And he hits play on the CD player. And Sweet Home Alabama starts playing. And he goes, whiskey or beer? And my friend Margo's like, beer. And she was like, so fucking like cool, right? And I go, oh, I just smoked a lot of weed, so I probably didn't have any alcohol, because like alcohol and weed like make me get really good. And like I just couldn't stop talking. I was still a loser. Brett and Margo start talking about like horses and guitars and leather and like all this like cool like rocker stuff. And I'm just like, oh like I don't even know what I was saying when I was like making weird noises and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm already said awesome. Like, what who was that girl? Like, and just could not stop talking and then in an effort to like really connect I go okay Brett big question what is the craziest thing a fan has ever done to meet you like I was doing like a teen mop interview like I don't know what and then I grabbed my hair and I put it across my face to make a unibrow and I go hey Brett I sent you photos of myself at sixth grade do I look familiar and he was like okay like it was like not and then at that point, two girls came out from behind, like from like the back of the bus, and they go, "Brad, are you coming back here or what?" There was two ladies waiting back there to probably have sex with him, and he hung out with us, which was pretty cool. And he was like, "Oh, well, ladies gotta go. That's my cue." And he went back there, and that was it. So we get off the tour bus, and Margo and I are starting to walk back to the parking lot. And I realized, I don't know where we're going to sleep because my sister, it was at this point like 2 o'clock in the morning and I didn't have keys to my sister's place or to my parents' place and I don't want to call anyone to wake up. And uh, Margo and I actually end up sleeping just in her car uh, in a parking lot because we're homeless. I don't know. It, we could have called someone, I guess. Anyways, that's not the point. The point was, we're walking back to the parking lot and Margo turns to me. She goes, aren't you going to thank Brett's cousin? And I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. So I kissed him. Because that's probably what he wanted, right? That's probably all he wanted was a smooch from the fucking weirdo who was salivating all over his cousin's lap. Like, he probably wanted a blowjob. But I was like, all right, I'll thank you, buddy. Here's my tongue. And I made out with him. And he was like, oh, thanks. And then I got in the car. And we left. And we slept in the car. And it didn't quite go how I had fantasized about it when I was young. But I will say this. Dreams do come true even if it's 10 years later. Thank you. Oh,
Yes, Julia Rossi. And this is why, this is why I can't meet Stevie Nicks. I have said it before what feels like a million times, but it's it's just going to go a lot like that. And it doesn't seem to me like, like, you know, her meeting Brett ruined any of Poison's music for her. Like, I'm always afraid that's going to do for Stevie Nicks, but it's it would go a lot like that. And I would be too excited and I would say the word awesome way too much. And also, I'd probably wind up trying to sit on Stevie's lap. And that's it. That's our episode for this go around. This has been the soundtrack series. And hey, I alluded to this last episode, but keep your ears open because in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to make some announcements about big changes coming for the soundtrack series podcast. So listen up for those. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us at infiniteguest.org, or you can find us at your 20-year high school reunion as the girl you never really saw in high school, but is just so beautiful now. This has been the Soundtrack Series, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. Thanks for listening.